This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, good morning, everybody. I wish I could see you guys in person. Uh, I do miss you guys. Uh, it'd have been nice to have some good banter back and forth in a normal training camp. Um, uh, you know, so here we are, you know, I'm, uh, I'm extremely proud of our team for how they've dealt, uh, with this really roller coaster of emotions, roller coaster of, uh, schedule changes, who we're playing, uh, schedule changes of from day to day, when you're lifting, when we're practicing and, um, just really, just really proud of our guys. I'm proud of how they've dealt with all the brand new protocols to get to our building to make sure they stay safe. Uh, they've handled that professionally. And um, I'm proud of the way they've handled not being able to meet uh, in a normal setting, not being able to use our locker room, all these brand new things that uh, they probably never uh, thought would happen has happened. But I do know this, we're gonna be a lot stronger um, and we'll be ready to compete uh, when this pandemic is over. You know, I'm grateful to work with a tremendous uh, talented staff, our coaches, our operational staff, our recruiting staff. Uh, they just come to work every single day, roll their sleeves up, and they're ready to go. And I'm proud of them of how they've also navigated through all these new challenges um, and, and, and how, how they've dealt with uh, uh, this pandemic. I want to give a special, special thanks to our strength and conditioning staff. They've done a phenomenal job of, of getting our guys ready and trained and ready to go for a possible season. Uh, we have two different uh, weight rooms right now that are set up uh, underneath the pavilion on the north and the south side in an outdoor setting on the third floor. They wipe down every single piece of equipment um, after each uh, pod uh, of, of lifters is done. And they've just done a phenomenal job of keeping our players safe and training them and getting them ready to go uh, for a potential season and just can't thank them enough. I want to give a huge thank you to our, to our medical staff and our medical team. Rob's on the call, but uh, Darren's been unbelievable. Jackie, uh, Dr. Harmon, I could go on and on. Uh, again, all the protocols that they put in place just to get us back into this building, just to get us back in this building so we can start to coach, so our players can train, so our players could practice has just has been phenomenal. Uh, you, you know, to the, the use of a new entrance, the use of, uh, uh, you know, all, all the, all the, the, the tests that from, from week to week, something that we've never been used to doing. This is all brand new for all of us, and they've kept our team safe and healthy, and I can't uh, give them enough uh, uh, thank yous. You know, I want to thank Jen Cohen and President Calce for their amazing leadership and support uh, through a wide pandemic that none of us saw coming. And their strength is, has been felt. And um, I just really appreciate you guys' support. And so, you know, this is the right decision. This was the right decision. Uh, the, number, the number one thing is the health and safety of our players and our staff. And right now there's way too many questions than answers. And um, I don't want our team to be guinea pigs. I don't want our staff to be guinea pigs. 
if things are not going to be safe, then we need to err on the side of caution. And I think that I know that is what our medical advisor group did for the PAC 12. And that's what happened with the big 10. And um, I am just extremely grateful that we have a bunch of smart and bright people uh, that are able to navigate us through this. And I know when the time is right, um, they will tell us we can play and, and we'll be ready to go. You know, to our fans, I know how disappointing this is. You know, we all wanted some Husky football this fall. Uh, the coaches wanted to go, the players wanted to play. And uh, I know you guys wanted to sit in Husky Stadium and, and enjoy some football and, and, and watch your team pursue another championship. But unfortunately, uh, you know, we weren't able to do that in this fall of, of 2020. But I promise you this, we're gonna train, we're gonna continue to prepare, and when the medical experts tell us we can play, you can believe it, the Husky football team will be ready to compete. You can guarantee that. And so, you know, we have a long road ahead of us. Uh, there's a lot of financial uh, challenges and repercussions because of this unforeseen pandemic that's, that's hit planet Earth. Uh, definitely something that nobody, I'm sure, has uh, thought this would happen uh, around the world. Something that's only happened twice in the last hundred years. And so we, we definitely need some help. And, um, you know, we launched our Husky All-In campaign this morning. And, you know, anything that our fans, our, our, our donors, our boosters help us in any shape, any form is much needed. Um, we need you guys now more than ever. Uh, we, we, we did not, obviously did not see this coming. And uh, this is going to, this will help us continue to support our student athletes and, um, and our, our athletic program. And so the last thing I'll go through here is just a couple of roster updates, and then I'll open this thing up to questions. Uh, Sama Palma, uh, for personal reasons, has decided to retire from football. And uh, it's great getting to know him, and, and we respect his decision, and we wish him and his family nothing but the best. And then Luke Lane has, uh, has already has his degree in, in, in medicine, and he's starting, a, uh, he's starting into his field. He already, got, he already got a job. And so we are extremely excited for him to pursue his passion in medicine, and um, we wish him nothing but the best. Okay. And so with that, I'll open it up to questions. First off, uh, Coach, we're going to let uh, Rob hop on, get on the video, and he's going to just go over a couple of points uh, on the decision that was made. And after that, we will open it up to questions. Thank you very much to both of you. Go ahead, Rob. Thanks, Jeff. And, and I, I just want to thank Coach Lake. You know, I just taking over, taking over the helm of a football program in, in, these, in these times, you know, I've just been impressed every single day with the resiliency and, and the approach that you've taken. And I, I just I can't emphasize enough, you know, how how lucky we are to have someone like coach Lake run our football program during a really difficult time. And, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a really hard week for our athletic department and for our students, you know, delaying competition. That's what, that's what everyone prepares for. You know, that's why we're all here. Many of us that work in this setting and, and knowing that that's not going to happen for a little bit of time, you know, it's, it's taken some time to process. And our focus right now has just been on providing support to our student athletes and to, to our coaches and to our staff. Um, as they as they work through a really really difficult decision and really difficult time but it but like coach Lake said it's the right decision and you know when we started this whole process out um, the Pac-12 conference the University of Washington and our athletic department have said that we want to put the health and safety of our student athletes at the front of every decision that we make and we're going to continue to do that and that that's what this decision is all about there's there are three factors that went into this decision there's a you know the Pac-12 health and wellness group 
Um, they've been, this wasn't a decision that just came about on Tuesday. They've been debating the, the ramifications of this pandemic on our student athletes and safety of sport participation for, for weeks and months as a group. Um, experts from across our conference, public health experts, uh, communicable disease experts. I mean, this is a large group of, of really smart people that has been debating this topic for a long time. And, and uh, there's three factors that really need to, need to be figured out before they can feel comfortable saying it's safe for our student athletes to participate in the high contact, high COVID contact environment of sports. Disease prevalence in the cities across the Pac-12 conference is, is higher than, than it needs to be for us to feel comfortable moving forward. There was hope that uh, disease prevalence would be lower as the summer progressed, and it hasn't worked out that way. The second thing is availability of testing and inconsistencies in that across our conference. You know, we want to make sure that um, we're, we're not bringing disease into our footprints. We want to make sure that we're not exposing athletes to undue risk for contracting this virus and, and the disease of COVID-19, you know, that's a result of this virus. And uh, there's too many consistencies across our conference to, to feel comfortable with that. And I think um, you know, for our student athletes here, we would really like to see point of care testing availability at Washington so that we can ensure that no one's bringing this, you know, from coaches to staff to student athletes into our footprint and exposing our student athletes because of sport participation. And so we're hopeful that, you know, that, that this delay will give those people time to develop those tests and provide that and make that available for our student athletes so that we can move forward. The last thing, and I think one of the most important things are the unknown complications that we're starting to learn about. Uh, for athletes in particular um, around COVID-19. And we just, we don't know the answers to some questions in particular. I think many of you have seen news about cardiac issues that, that we're investigating right now. And uh, there's sort of two things you can do with unknowns. You can hope and move forward and hope for the best. And, and I'm never going to use that word hope uh, when we talk about our student athletes' health and safety here. We're going to take the time to either learn about those things and, and find some answers or ensure that we're not creating an environment with our athletic participation, which could cause increased risk for contracting this virus until we know. And so until we have one of those two factors, we're gonna put our student athletes health and welfare first. We're gonna support them during this time. And our coaches, you know, they've done an awesome job of um, following our local health authority guidelines here at Washington. And we're gonna to continue to develop our student athletes. So we're ready when, when the time's right. And, and our experts tell us it's time for us to get back on the field. I'm confident that our coaches are going to put our student athletes in a great position to be successful. Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, with that, we'll go to questions. I'll just uh, ask you to ask your questions in the order that I've got them here. Uh, Mike Burrell will be first. I will unmute you. Kim Grinnells, you'll be next. Go ahead, Mike. Unmute yourself and ask your question. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, just first wanted to ask, um, you know, when you broke the news to the team, um, what was that scene like? How did you do that? And what was kind of the response from the guys in that moment? Yeah, hey, Mike. Um, it, it was tough. We actually had practice that day. And we had a, a really good, fun, energetic practice. Every practice has been fun because everybody's been enjoying every moment out there being together and, um, you know, learning, uh, learning their, their, their techniques and their schemes on both sides of the ball. And, you know, you know, we, we got the news in the middle of the practice that this was probably going to happen. And then um, at the very end of practice, I brought everybody up and really commended them on how they've handled this thing since March and kind of went through the whole, the whole, uh, uh, you know, scene from March leading up to this point and told them how proud I was of how they were, you know, going through the roller coaster of emotions of, okay, now there's no spring football. And then, uh, you know, now, now all of a sudden you guys have to stay at home. You have to quarantine and then we're going to bring it back. And, 
you know, kind of led up to at this point where they're postponing the season. And um, of course, uh, you know, our, our team was very, very disappointed. Um, but I also think our, our medical team did a good job of, of describing uh, the reasons why uh, we were postponing the season. So I also, even though there's disappointment, um, I know our, our, our team understands the reasons why uh, we made this decision. All right, uh, we'll go with uh, Kim Grinolds. Chris Francis will be next. Jimmy. Jimmy, hello. Uh, you're good. There now, we Jim. go. <laughs> good to see you, Jimmy. Hey, uh, I know with all the COVID stuff and everything else that's gone out there, it's hard to just kind of get away, and sports is kind of a bastion to kind of get away from all this, and I think there's just a lot of people out there who would just like to hear you talk a little bit of ball. You know, how much do you get to be involved with, you know, football? People want to know about the quarterback competition, John Donovan's offense, a left tackle. You know, how much are you around these guys? How much are you seeing the freshmen that are looking good? Can you just talk a little ball with us and maybe give us a little <laughs> bit of a refuge here? Yeah, yeah. Hey, how you doing, Kim? Um, yeah, it's been awesome. We've had, like I said, we've had some very energetic practices, uh, you know, def defensively. You know, our schemes have always going to change a little bit, but it's been basically what we've been doing, you know, for the last almost seven years now. And it's just been fun watching all of our young guys learn those, you know, our techniques and our schemes. And, and Coach K is also, just like we do every single year, has added some wrinkles. And it's been fun watching, uh, you know, Elijah Molden and Levi Anzarike to, like, really challenge themselves to learn a couple of new things. And then on offense, it's been – it's obviously, it's a brand-new offense. Um, and it's been – been really enjoyable to watch coach Donovan out there implementing his scheme and and um, you know our, our offensive line and our quarterbacks and receivers and running backs and tight ends and all of them just thirsting for more knowledge and and what the scheme is gonna is gonna be and so we've gone through situational football uh, we almost covered everything we covered uh, you know all of our first second down situations third down situations red zone and, um, you know, there's a few other situations that we haven't got to yet, but we, we covered the major, major ones and, and implemented a lot of our, our, our packages. And so it was fun watching everybody uh, learn those things, execute. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to judge football when we don't have a helmet and shoulder pads on, just so you know. So I'm not going to give you an assessment of our quarterbacks or, you know, our, our linemen. Uh, we were out there playing in pajamas <laughs> and uh, not hitting each other. So that's, that's not football. Uh, but at least we were able to execute uh, our scheme on air, and um, uh, and it, it was just fun watching those guys uh, learn something new. And uh, I did feel like we were going to be ready as as we continued to progress. We were on track. If uh, that game uh, were to occur on September 26th, uh, we would have been ready to go. All right. We will go with uh, Chris Francis. Nicole Auerbach will be next after Chris. Uh, hey, Jimmy, thanks for doing this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to snap you back to reality here a little bit. Sorry. Uh, there's been a lot of criticism, obviously, that this decision, if the other conferences do play, the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, that the Pac-12 is going to be at a disadvantage in terms of revenue and exposure. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How, how much does this set back the conference and your program, and are you worried about that? Yeah, hi, Chris. You know, I think uh, no one can tell the future here. Um, I think – when everyone had to change their schedules and we all had to, uh, you know, the, from the power five had to, to, to cancel our non-conference games, um, you know, the big 10 and the PAC 12, we were in talks of, of going conference only. 
and um, the Big Ten went conference only. We immediately followed, I believe, a day or two, two days later. I can't remember the time frame. Um, and then two of the other Power Five conferences also followed suit. Um, and so in my opinion, this is going to be the same uh, exact uh, chain of events. Uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 almost immediately at the same time announced uh, that we were going to postpone the season. And I believe all three other uh, conferences are going to follow suit in due time. All right. Thank you, Coach. Uh, we'll go to Nicole Auerbach and then uh, Art Teal will be on deck. Yes, hi. Um, I, I appreciate you doing this. Um, my question is about, you know, eligibility and all of the pieces of this that are everyone's still waiting to be determined, hopefully end of next week. Um, what, what is your preference? You know, what, what would you like to get clarity on specifically tied to that? Great question, Nicole. I, that's actually going to be voted on today, and it's legislation that the NCAA is taking extremely serious. And um, I'll just, from our perspective, uh, with us, we have 13 seniors, and what they're talking about. So this isn't uh, this isn't a, you know uh, law yet, uh, but um, what they're talking about is if there is no season, um, those 13 seniors will everybody basically's eligibility will be put on pause, and it'll be like this year never happened is a better way to say it. And in addition to that, uh, because we have 13 seniors, we can add on 13 scholarships in addition to 85. And so that's what they're talking about. That is, uh, it has not passed yet, but I do think that is going to be fair. Uh, there is past president on this because of what happened to our spring sports um, of this year. Um, and so, we, you know, I, I bet later today, that'll be big news uh, uh, when, they, when they do pass uh, that legislation. And I agree with it. All right, we'll go to Art Teal and Tim Booth will be on deck. Hi, Jimmy. Uh, a question about the uh, We Are United movement among the players. Um, I'm wondering, uh, I'm sure you've been trying to be supportive of uh, some of their goals, but some of the other goals are perhaps destructive to the business model of college football, certainly the Pac-12. How do you navigate that situation and where do things stand with uh, those players as far as you know? Yeah, thank you, Art. You know, so I think uh, a lot of the bullet points, um, you know, for that, uh, you know, for that movement, uh, a lot of us can get behind. And that's what we talked about with uh, on our team and in our team meetings. Uh, we all want to, uh, you know, stay safe from, from COVID-19 and, and what are the protocols that we're doing here in this building and, and then what are our opponents doing? I think we could all get behind that, uh, you know, and I think we can all get behind uh, the social justice issues that were mentioned also, um, you know, in, in the movement. And um, we have things that, that, are, that we're doing here that we're going to continue to do here to make sure our, our players feel that their voice is being heard. And, you know, from my opinion, those two things, I think we're at the forefront in the whole country. I think our protocols here in the Pac-12 for COVID-19 have been uh, uh, the best. And I also think... Uh, we are way further along than the rest of the country in the way we handle, um, you know, uh, social justice and, and the racial injustice and how we communicate to our teams. I think uh, the, the, the teams that are in our footprint in the PAC 12 um, are, are uh, in, a, in a better place um, uh, than, than some of our opponents. And so I think those, those two things that uh, was definitely hammered out in our team meetings that we can all get behind. Now, when you talk, what you're, 
what you're getting at is the, the financial implications of uh, you know some of the demands uh, that um, that the movement was asking for, which um, you know in talking to our, our our players they they knew um, you know that was out of the University of Washington out of the Pac-12's hands. Uh, those issues are with the, with the NCAA, and uh, we're to pay players. As soon as we pay players, uh, we will be banned from bowl games. We will re- get reduced in scholarships, and um, we, we, we will be uh, uh, setting off alarms to the NCAA if we start paying players. So that that's way above us. Now, if they want to, you know, collectively as a nation, the NCAA, if all the conferences and, and, and institutions want to get together and change uh, the rule of how, to, how we're going to uh, eventually uh, give more money to uh, student-athletes, then that's a great conversation to have. Uh, you know, currently there's legislation right now, uh, the name, in, image, and likeness, uh, NIL, uh, that is in Congress's hands right now. And I know it's been pushed back to January of 2021. So there's things that are already in motion uh, to help out our student athletes. And so that's where we, that's where we ended up uh, here as a team. We felt like, uh, uh, you know, you, you call them demand, the demands, from a social justice issue and from the COVID-19 issue have been met here. Um, and the financial demands uh, is really out of our control. All right, thank you, coach. We're gonna to go to Tim Booth and then uh, Christian Capel will be on deck. Go ahead, unmute and talk, Tim, thanks. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? Um, got a question for actually for both of you. Uh, Jimmy, there's been a lot of talk of, of spring football uh, or having a spring season. Um, I guess how feasible is that in your eyes and what are some of the challenges that you see in making that happen? And then for Rob, uh, along with that, what are some of the benchmarks that we need to see over the next few months that actually make uh, that idea of having a spring season possible from the health and safety standpoint? Yep. Good morning, Tim. So I think, so first and foremost, we got to make sure we got this virus under control uh, before we can talk about a spring season. Uh, we got to make sure we know uh, what this is going to do uh, to our student athletes and our staff long-term. We have to make sure the testing is in place. And as soon as all that's under control, then we can start with our spring season. If that does happen, which I'm, which we're all hoping happens, this is my opinion. I think it needs to be a shortened season. It needs to be eight games. Uh, and then I believe we need to de- delay the start of the 2021 season uh, into October probably finish up into February of 2022, and then we can get back on track in the year 2022 and start, uh, you know, football regularly in, in September. Uh, we definitely don't want to put uh, undue wear and tear on our, on our players uh, with close back-to-back seasons. And I believe uh, the format that I just mentioned um, will, will help with that. Yeah, I think Coach Lake summarized that actually really well. Um, the only thing I have to add really is, you know, he hit, he hit on the most important things, disease prevalence in, in Pac-12 institution cities. I think that, that there, are, there are public health benchmarks that we, need, that we were looking to meet, you know, that our Pac-12 advisory group has put together for us. We want to see those numbers, you know, within those guidelines that have been set by our, by our conference medical advisory group. And then testing availability, I think that will be a real game changer in particular uh, point of care, immediate testing that we could do to ensure our footprint, you know, everyone was healthy within our footprint. And when we compete, that we're competing against healthy individuals. I think that that's a, that would be the two factors that are most influential. And then, you know, sort of third to that, if we're, if we're able to 
continue to create a safe environment for competition and for, for sport participation, um, then we still want to know about the unknowns, you know, about what, what this disease can do with our student athletes and how to safely bring back student athletes who have been exposed to this virus because they're going to be exposed to it in their communities potentially. And we still need to solve that issue and make sure that we have the answers for our student athletes when they're coming back and participating in, in high level athletics activities and in high intensity athletic activities. And then um, as coach alluded to, there are groups currently working on the health and safety issues surrounding uh, spring participation and then how that would affect fall participation. Um, obviously we wanna be able to periodize our participation for our student athletes in a way that allows for proper recovery. Um, there's health issues surrounding competition and, and proper rest periods. And we're gonna have an evidence-based discussion about that and, and move forward in a way that's in the best interest of our health and wellness of our student athletes as well, knowing that, that it's important for them to have the ability to participate and compete um, so we're going to balance those things over the next few weeks and, and look at all the scenarios and, and make sure we're moving forward, as we've said all along, in a way that, that protects our student-athletes. Thank you, Rob. We will go to Christian Capel. Christian, you're ready to go. At, uh, I'm sorry, Larry Stone will be next. Hey, Jimmy. Um, I'm curious how all of this impacts your recruiting, both um, what you're telling guys who are already committed to you in the 2021 class, how you approach the rest of the 2021 class, and then uh, moving forward with evaluations and everything for, for 2022. Yep. Hey, Christian. Um, so 2021 uh, is we're doing really, really well, really well right now. Uh, we've got really good relationships with these guys. We've been recruiting these guys for two, three years already. And so, that part of the recruiting hasn't really affected us in that for that age group, um, especially after the NCAA passes the legislation today or in the coming weeks, we'll be able to sign over if for whatever reason we do not have a season. And so that shouldn't affect us um, uh, that much at all. But where you hit it on is, is the 2022 and beyond. I think that's where a lot of us are going to, uh, it's going to be affected because we're not able to watch these guys uh, develop and uh, you know, who are the next up and comers um, in the, you know, the recruiting uh, states that we, that we recruit in our footprint that we recruit out of, you know, if there's no high school football this fall and um, it's going to be really hard to watch these guys uh, to be able to, uh, to continue to develop. And at the same time, it, it's going to be hard for them to come see us and see what we're all about if we're not playing games, but that affects everybody that affect, not just the university of Washington, that's, that, that affects all of college football. And so we feel like we're in a really good spot with our current class and, um, the classes beyond will definitely be a challenge. All right, coach, we will go to uh, Larry Stone. Larry, go ahead, please. Hi, Jimmy. Um, Hi, Larry. My, my question is, uh, how hard is it going to be to keep your current players motivated? Uh, they've been working so hard in anticipation of a fall season. Now there's this vague promise of maybe a spring season. Uh, what do you have to do to you know, keep them focused on eventually being, uh, being games to play? Yeah. Yeah. Good to hear from you, Larry. So I think our, we have some of the most competitive guys on our roster that want to be great at football. And so they're, they're, the motivation is, is going to be very, very simple. They're, this is an unbelievable opportunity for them to get bigger, faster, stronger, learn their techniques inside and out, learn our schemes inside and out. And, um, and, and they're going to be ready to go when we, when we decide to play football again. I'll tell you this, if we you know, get this virus under control, uh, there's a possibility we have spring football in the fall. How about that? 
little spring football in the fall. And maybe if we get this virus under control, we could, uh, you know, get some fans, maybe some fans out there and watch a little spring football in November. Uh, so there, you know, there's, there's some definitely motivation. If we're, if we're going to plan on playing some football in January, we're going to have to play football before that to get prepared. And so that's, that's coming up here soon. And, uh, you know, no, that's obviously uh, the virus and how we're, we're going to, the virus is actually going to dictate, you know, what we're able to do in the months. But we have, like I said, we have very, very competitive guys that want to be the best at their position. Um, and so the motivation is definitely still there. All right, we will go to uh, Matt Calkins. Matt, I'm sorry I didn't give you the heads up that you were coming to you, but uh, you're up Thanks. and then Anthony Edwards will be next. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? Um, hey, Matt. I'm just curious. Uh, I don't know if you've talked to any of the guys, like the the, the potential NFL guys um, on your roster. Um, is there any doubt as to whether they would play if, if there was spring football or, you know, you see guys sitting out for bowl games? Um is there any talk of whether they play or not? Yeah, great, great question, Matt. That's a, the, there's all these uh, things that have come up, and yes, we we have had those conversations, and um, and, and that's what's awesome. And they they know they can come to me and 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 their position coach and and talk these things out, and we've done that. And I think it it all is going to. There's a few things at play here. Uh, first, before you know, is is the NFL going to be able to pull their their seasons off? And are they going to be able to play all their games? And are they still going to have the, the combine in February and the draft, uh, you know, April and May? Uh, you know, I've, I've heard talks that there's there's a potential they could move that back. Even if they have their season, um, if all Power Five conferences are not playing and the rest of college football is not playing, you know, I've heard they may move the combine back and uh, they may move the draft back. And so there's a lot of things at play here. And the message to our guys that are in those positions was, let's be patient. Let's see what happens here in the next coming months. And let's make an informed decision. Um, and then when we can make an informed decision, uh, everyone's going to feel better about that. And so just like the year 2020, it's a fluid situation. And uh, we, we will see how this, uh, this pans out here in the next coming months. All right. Thank you. Uh, we, we got four hands up, so we'll take four more questions. It'll be Anthony uh, up next, and then he'll be followed by Masvida. Hi, Jimmy and Rob. Uh, I just had a question. So have you guys kind of entertained the idea of playing in a bubble for the spring at all? And is that even feasible on the scale of college athletics? No, I do not believe that is feasible. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're obviously on a college uh, campus and, uh, you know, the the thought of, uh, you know, not allowing our students to come here to go to school and and get a higher education and uh, but to put all these resources into putting our, our, our players in some type of bubble, like their professional just so we can play football um, is I think that misses the mark. And um, if it's not safe for our student students to come to school here, it's not safe for our student athletes to be around other students. Uh, we shouldn't put a whole bunch of resources and just to get these guys to get on the football field and, and play football. That's my opinion. Yeah. I'll just follow that up and say, we, we absolutely explored every option. You know, we wanted to provide opportunity for our coaches and student athletes this fall. And we, we explored that. And for the reasons that coach Lake outlined, you know, it's not a feasible option for college. Um, we're, we have 650 student athletes who all want to compete in a bunch of different sports. And the idea of, of creating a, a, 
completely locked off bubble like uh, some professional sports leagues have done uh, for, for the factors that Coach Lake talked about and other factors, it's not feasible for college, college athletes. All right, thanks to you both. We'll go to Masvita and then Ruth and then Art and we'll uh, wrap up with that. So go ahead, Mas. Mites on mute. Mute. That's yeah, I'm sorry. I, Your mic's on mute. Across there's, a lot of new, there's a lot of new sayings this year. Your mic <laughs> is on mute. Social distance. Mask on. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, no, Coach. It's a, thank you for doing this, just working through the unmute. Hey, you talked about the, um, the dedication, the competition of your team. I'm just wondering, what else have you learned about your team as a whole through this unprecedented time? What kind of players have you, do you have? You know, I know this, but, you know, through, through going through this, they're going to be extremely grateful when everything gets back to normal. And I know they are going to thirst for a regular team meeting in a, in a regular uh, team room. They're going to thirst to be able to be back in their locker room. I love a normal human interaction of walking down the hallway and seeing their coach or seeing their teammate. Uh, I don't think we're going to have a lot of guys that are going to be complaining about, oh, I have to go to a meeting. I have to go to practice. I have to go lift with Coach Saha. Uh, I think our guys are going to be grateful for every opportunity when this thing is is all said and over with. They're going to be they're going to be extremely grateful that they get to play this great game. Uh, I also think they're going to be extremely grateful of how we've kept them safe and healthy through throughout this pandemic. And um, I think they they know that we've had their best interests at heart. I know uh, also what they're going to learn is, is is how tough they are and how they've been able to battle through adversity and um, have their dreams crushed of not being able to play a, a, a season in, in the fall of 2020. Um, and we are going to be stronger and, uh, and more resilient uh, after we come out of this. All right, we will go to uh, Ruth Robbins and then we'll wrap it up with Art Teal. Go ahead and talk, Ruth. Hi, Jimmy. Uh, welcome to head coaching, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Ruth. <laughs> yeah. Um, my question is more to if you could elaborate a little bit on, on what you touched on earlier in terms of um, fairness in recruiting and and the fact that some teams are playing and, and you're not. And, you know, it's not just Washington, of course. But um, have, 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 has the NCAA addressed at all things like is there going to be a normal signing day or things going to be extended? Because the, the high school in the state of Washington, the high school seniors can't even – play until after the first of the year so I mean just I just wondered if you could elaborate on any of the details of how they're gonna this is gonna play out for recruiting yes hi Ruth um I hope your grandson is doing better by the way and you know I think uh there's a lot of questions with recruiting and again they're they're going to make the decision to make sure they keep, uh, you know, the high school athletes and obviously every, um, you know, college institution safe. The, the dead period is going to be extended. Uh, there's no way they're going to let these high school prospects be able to travel um, to all these different institutions and possibly bring the virus in or catch the virus there, uh, which is going to be extremely difficult for these prospects who are trying to decide uh, which, which, uh, you know, institution they want, want to attend and, and play, play football and, and go to be a student. Um, there's a lot of lot of uh, recruiting navigations that uh, that still need the, the questions need to be answered. I I still believe there's going to be a early signing period in December because uh, you know the 2021 prospects and a lot they've made the decision a, a long time ago. A lot of them have, uh, 
Uh, that's just the nature of what recruiting is now. Usually these guys are already committed by their junior years. Um, and so I do believe there's still going to be that early signing period. But for the prospects that don't have their mind made up, they can go to the later, the later signing period. So I think the way we've set that up and college football is perfect. And so, you know, and then, uh, you know, if other teams are playing and, and we're not playing, um, again, I go back to my previous answer, uh, you know, the, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you know, have, have led the way in terms of going to conference only. We've led the way in terms of keeping the health and safety of our of our staff and our players uh, as our number one priority. And I expect all three conferences to follow suit. All right, I'm gonna actually have two more questions. We're gonna start with Art Teal and then we'll get to Dan Raley and then we'll wrap it up. So Art, go ahead. Uh, this is for Rob. Uh, regarding point of care testing, um, what has been your experience with the turnaround time for UW athletes uh, on the tests? And are those conducted, uh, are, the lab re are the labs on campus or off campus? And if they're on campus, is UW Medicine's ability to do that uh, different and obviously better than what you've heard about from their other Pac-12 campuses? Yeah, thanks, Art. Great question. Um, I think this is a perfect opportunity to just just thank UW Medicine and and illustrate to everyone how lucky we are to to be in partnership with with one of the best uh, medical organizations in the entire world. Um, the University of Washington Medical Center and our UW physicians have been at the forefront of this pandemic uh, since the start, you know, way back when, um, both from a research and from a treatment perspective uh, in treating people who have, who have had this virus and learning, learning as much as we possibly can about this pandemic. And a piece of that has been um, our, our lab, the, the lab over at UW Medicine. And uh, we, we utilized that lab from the start. They were one of the first groups to, to come out with really accurate, quick testing. At Washington, we, we utilize UW's lab to do all of our um, uh, testing, both we, we test our student athletes for antibodies when they come into our footprint. Um, that gives us a good idea of, of what's been going on with them outside and also identifying student athletes who have been exposed to this virus are really important, as I mentioned, for um, making sure that there aren't any complications because of, of intense physical activity. And then um, our, our current PCR test that we're doing, it's not a point of care test. Um, it's a nasal swab test uh, that our student athletes self-administer under the supervision of our medical team. And uh, the UW lab processes those and we get results in 24 hours or less, uh, which is awesome and not consistent across our conference. And part of the concern that, that uh, our, our medical advisory group had with moving forward with competition. Um, but, but 24 hour turnaround test also has limitations um, because there's a window of time where we don't know the status of individuals and it makes it difficult um, for us to ensure that, that there aren't student athletes and staff bringing, bringing the virus into our footprint. And point of care test um, is in development in, and it's, it is happening. It's going to happen. Um, and the timeline for that is, is hard to, to guess on. I was, I was actually um, listening to our, our medical advisory board for the University of Washington talk about this today. And uh, we're, we're researching this on campus here at the University of Washington. And we're gonna have the ability to have instant test results and ensure that on that day, someone is, is um, not carrying COVID and not, not spreading COVID-19 around our facilities. So that's coming. Um, we have great testing right now. We feel like we can create a safe environment right now for a certain level of physical contact, um, not, not to the level where we can compete. And, and, uh, and, and so we're, we're adjusting our protocols to make sense with what the PAC-12 medical advisory group's recommending. Um, but I'm really proud of the University of Washington and our connection with the medical community that's among the best in the entire world. 
and it's, it's going to continue to provide us with an advantage moving forward in creating a great environment for our coaches and student athletes. All right. Uh, we'll go to one last question here from Dan Raley. Go ahead and talk, Dan. Uh, Jimmy, have, have you had any players test positive for uh, COVID-19? And if so, what was the reaction amongst your, your players? Yeah, I'll let uh, I'll first let Rob describe any a number of affections. He's going to have way more of an accurate count than I am or how you want to answer that question, Rob. Go ahead. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think one thing before we get into this uh, that's extremely important for us as an athletic department is protecting um, our, our student athletes' health information. Um, there's obviously a lot of laws and, and uh, that their, their protection of that information is really important to us. And so we're, we're very cautious about the way that we release this information. But it is, it is a publicly re reportable uh, disease right now because it's important that we understand prevalence. And so, you know, we have, we have been really transparent about cases on our campus. Um, as I said, you know, we have, we have six antibody positive student athletes out of the whole 250 plus that we have in our footprint right now. Um, and then we've had uh, 12, 12 positive cases um, up, up through last week uh, of, of student athletes who are PCR positive across all of the sports. We have representation from all 22 of our sport programs back in our footprint right now. Um, and, and so that, that percentage, we've done over a thousand tests, you know, so our, our percentage rate is actually still very low, less than 2% positive rate for all the testing that we're doing. And all that testing includes not just surveillance testing of, of asymptomatic individuals, but people who have symptoms, athletes who, you know, have had close contacts, all those, all those tests, um, our, our percentage rate is, is still, you know, down in the, in the one to 3% range, which is, which is consistent with what you see across the country for people who aren't participating in athletics and things that, that could be potentially higher risk contact. So um, that's, that's as much information as, as we want to give because we don't want to um, put our student athletes protected health information at risk and, and have a case where we might potentially identify someone who has been exposed. But I can assure you that uh, one important thing is contact tracing and making sure that we don't continue the spread of this virus. And so um, there's a lot of communication. Campus, EHS, and King County Department of Health have been great partners for us in doing appropriate contact tracing when we do have positive cases and resulted in you know, quarantines. And I know one of the reasons that Coach Lake uh, wants to make sure we're doing the right thing is because we don't want to end up you know, putting our whole team into quarantine. That's really difficult for, for 18 to 22-year-old individuals to be stuck in their homes and not able to leave. And so you know, that's part of the reason for us at this point in being conservative about the way we move forward with athletics participation is we want to minimize that for our student athletes. And we feel like we've done a really good job of that so far. And we're going to work really hard to keep moving forward with our student athletes in that way. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 